Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This Father's Day, give Dad the gift that guarantees him a great morning every day. That's Tommy John's Second Skin Underwear. With over 20 million pairs sold and thousands of five-star reviews, guys love Tommy John. Plus, your most valuable assets are covered with Tommy John's Best Pair You'll Ever Wear or its free guarantee. Get 30% off gifts for Dad on select Father's Day styles at TommyJohn.com. Save 30% at TommyJohn.com. See site for details. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry. Only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands. All hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast, brought to you by the team behind BikeRadar.com, Cycling Plus, and MBUK magazines. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe. And if you can do so, leave us a rating on your podcast provider of choice. It really helps us reach other cyclists like you. Hello, welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast. My name is Tom Marvin, Senior Technical Editor here at BikeRadar.com and at MBK Magazine. Joining me in the podcast studio today is Tom Law. He is our mountain bike YouTube presenter on our YouTube channel. How's it going, Tom? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, mate. How are you? I'm all right, thank you, yeah. And also joining us by the magic of Zoom, we have Al Evans. He is Bike Radar's Mountain Bike Senior Technical Editor. How's it going, Al? Great, thank you, Tom. Love the introduction. And uh, also uh, at his home near Bristol, we have Luke Marshall, another one of our tech writers. How's it going, Luke? I'm very well, thank you, Tom. Yeah, all good here. Excellent stuff. Luke, what have you been doing recently? I'm trying to keep my feet as dry as possible. Uh, (laughs) I've been testing winter shoes in the current soggy climate, so Mm -hmm. actually a useful and worthwhile test. Brilliant stuff. Any any standouts? Any uh, unstandouts? Um, the standards like the Shimano shoes I've got, both mm-hmm. their flat pedal and their kitless ones, are exceedingly comfy. So that's a, uh, yeah, a good early impression. Have uh, ha- have good. any passed the bath time test? Oh, no. no, no. It was so wet the other day. Me and Tom were out the other week, and the waterproof shoes are not fully waterproof. Oh. But when they let water in, they don't let it back out. Yeah. Ah, well, that could potentially be a positive, right? Act like a wetsuit, give you a nice layer of warm water between your your feet and the outside world? Question mark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe neoprene socks. Off you go. Oh, our neoprene socks. Great thing. I once thought you could have like a neoprene gilet. Be a great. In fact, I think FDJ when they were sponsored by um, Decathlon's clothing brand. 
like this was like eight or nine years ago i went on a decathlon launch and uh, they're saying that they have neoprene gilets for their team because they're training like northern france in the middle of winter and it's just grim and said it's amazing i thought that'd be a great product yeah and you'd look really really fetching in one as well well you might well actually those like castelli gabbers they kind of look neoprene-ish so you never know um al what have you been doing recently i have been helping you dear tom uh test to test wheels Mm. exciting got my first puncture today uh wheel set number three or four i can't remember so that's pretty good going for me only one puncture um out of four rides Uh, i like those i fancy those odds it was just bad luck it was just a tire slash it wasn't a pinch so i'm not Mm -hmm. going to attribute it to the wheels um okay but yeah wheels testing when you back to back them on the same trails same conditions same bike same pressures same everything there's actually a bit to talk about so there can be yeah yeah it, it kind of it kind of caught me off guard a little bit i was kind of thinking nah i'm not gonna really notice anything and that was genuinely like the way i went into this with kind of like can't be any difference between wheels actually i'm uh i'm going back on my words there wow okay i've always found like there's differences between the best and the worst but like the middle ground is very middle ground so that could be one of the things that i'm feeling here and that i'm mm-hmm. taking the super expensive wheels and the super cheap wheels um mm-hmm. you've got the middle of the road ones so yep. maybe that's why i'm noticing such a difference in performance yeah maybe i think I, last time i did around we did a podcast about it, actually i think i had like the zip three zero motor you like those called. didn't you I loved those. I thought they were great from someone who likes comfort. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I think I had some real stiff, like deep box section-y carbon wheels. And like the difference was stark. Mm. But across the other seven wheels I did at the time, they all kind of felt the same mm. in more similar. But anyway, um, I need to get on with my wheels testing because um, <laughs> there's a lot to do. It's fun though. It's all good. Yeah. Changing tyres. You, Are you doing it on an e-bike or a normal bike? I am doing it on a... Uh, uh, we're going to play Alex Evans bingo here. Uh, uh, Marin, <laughs> is it a Marin? Yes, it's a Marin, uh, Marin Rift Zone, uh, which nice. is their trail bike. Um, and cool. their trail wheels, so it kind of makes sense. Winner, winner. Yeah. Nice. Tom, what are you doing at the moment? I've also been doing some wheel testing, but separate to you guys, as it turns out. So I've got some noble wheels that have just arrived with some fancy Onyx hubs. One set with birds fabric spokes and the other set with some steel so i'm also going to be doing some back-to-back testing with those mm, interesting how does that work then fabric spokes i've just got pictures of my clothing after a wet rainy ride that's kind of bedraggled and all sloped across on the floor the spokes don't do that i guess yeah the best way i can describe them is they are like shoelaces like they've sent some spare loose spokes as well uh, which you'll see in the video when that comes out in a couple of weeks time so yeah they're literally just like shoelaces effectively to look at so you can fold them up put them in your bum bag take some spare spokes with you which is nice um but yeah i haven't started got around to testing the standard steel spoked ones yet just the fabric ones but first impressions are they have a lovely compliant wheel set and those onyx hubs are actually really interesting because they're a sprag clutch um so like a one-way roller bearing sort of engagement rather than springs and pulls or ratchet rings so they're really intriguing they roll like nothing i've written before roll really really smoothly and freely so yeah they feel rapid wow and if your shoelaces snap you can fix it yeah you can fix it yeah exactly not sure boa straps would work but you know we'll we'll try it out yeah uh so that just leaves you tom what have you been doing oh uh 
Well, I have to think about what I've been doing now. Um, oh, I'm in the middle of a bike test for MBK, which is sort of a load of hardtails that aren't XC race hardtails, but also aren't like super rad trail hardtails. So that so there's kind of like a bit of a mix of everything in between. Yeah, the everyday man's mountain bike. Mountain bikes. Yeah. Yeah, just mountain bikes. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. There's like, there's a Yeti arc, which is like the raddest of them. There's the Merida Big Nine TR, which is like can we, a very XC one. Can we play Tom Marvin, Tom Marvin bingo as well, if we're going to play Alex <laughs> Evans bingo? Um, and then there's a Fairlight Halt, which uh, is like a beautiful steel uh, British-made bike that sort of feels like if you're going to go and cycle across Kyrgyzstan, you could fit a million bags to. Uh, and a Mason Raw, which is probably the most all-round of all the bikes in in some respects. So um, I'm in the middle of doing that along with some winter gloves. Mm, exciting. Because it's coming up to winter. Yeah, it is. So yeah. Right then, we've waffled on way too long uh, already. Uh, so in this episode of the podcast, we are looking at our headliners bike test. This is something we do every year where we pick super interesting bikes that are either signify where the industry is heading in the next year or are just bikes that have been launched in recent times that have made the news been really interesting and we've been really excited to go and ride um so between the four of us we've ridden six uh myself and luke have both ridden a couple uh, and al and tom have also ridden one each so we're just going to kind of run through the bikes sort of say why they may be interesting tell us a little bit about them and also maybe give a few brief ride impressions at the end uh so we're going to start with luke um so I've got a second more to collect my thoughts on what I'm going to talk about. Um, but Luke, do you want to tell us about your first bike? So yeah, my first bike I rode uh, or have been riding, the Scott Lumen E-Ride 910. So it's kind of a lightweight trail bike. As such, okay. It uses like TQ's HPR50 motor. You have their 360 watt hour battery. Um, so super small, light, subtle e-bike motor bike's got 130 mil travel front and rear and it makes some riding incredibly fun mm -hmm. so i'm not often one to go and spin a lap of a trail center i'd rather winch up a fire road climb and find a rough nasty trail on the other side but you know i got on this bike went out and tested it and had so much fun riding around Khan. just set it in the middle setting to just boost up the climbs and the motor's got plenty of power in there that it makes, you know, charging around those trail center laps really enjoyable. You know, that's surprisingly fun. And the frame on the way down, like the 130 mil of travel, Scott have done a real good job of um, making that, like the suspension work impressively well. And I think like the little bit of extra motor weight and the battery helps like just stable, like stabilize the chassis on the way down. So you still get a nimble bike. It's not heavy. It's around the 18 kilo mark, if I remember. Um, it's still quite zippy. It's got fast tires on it. It's got enough suspension to kind of rise you around without getting out of its depth too easily. Um, but the frame, yeah, keeps a bit of stability and it, it was really fun bike. Absolutely really fun bike to ride that one. Thoroughly enjoyed it. What happens if you do take it to slightly gnarlier stuff? Is it, does it cope well uh, with sort of steep Welsh hillsides or is it a little bit out of its depth? <laughs> it's a little bit out of its depth, but mostly down to the tires. Okay. It's so it's got um I'm trying to think what uh if I can Wicked Wheels on there. Wicked Wheels, that's the one. So it had a grippy um be a soft on the front and a speed grip a on the back. It was soft on the front and a speed grip on the back, yeah. So they were the kind of limiting factor a little bit. Um and kind of had a 
some smaller rear rotor, but it's it got a bit hot on the steeper runs, but it's fine. But um, but for what it's designed for, it was great. When you could take it out of its comfort zone, you know, it is limited. Um, the head tube angle is a little bit steep in its mid-setting. Fortunately, that bike, you can flip headset cups around and slacken out by 0.6 degrees. So you could get it to just under 65 degrees, I think, hmm. as a head tube angle. Um, I think if you really were wanted to get a more trail out of that trail bike you say some burlier rubber maybe up the travel to a 140 fork 130 at the back and i think that frame's got a lot of capability it would handle that easy mm-hmm. but um but for people who want to go and tear around trails and hour it's so much fun like i did two laps at kunkan both the trails took me i don't know under an hour and a half probably huh brilliant afternoon out battery still had like 27 percent battery left i think it's about 25 26k i did yeah thousand meters roughly so it's it's, um, it's like a loop but 15 years ago that's how it makes you feel it's, it's like about three loops <laughs> <Okay>. i think <laughs> can i yeah, ask uh, i guess some other people are obviously going to ask when they look at it it's, it's one of these like sleek scots where the shocks hidden in the uh in the seat tube down tube bb sort of area how was that to live with did you find that problematic or are you quite happy Oh, such a clutch pickup, Dave. I was worried we'd bring back the same team. I meant those blackout motorized shades. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. I installed these and then got some for my mom, too. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Hall of Fame son. They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. Go to Blinds.com for up to 45% off. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Uh, no, I was quite happy with that. So it's got a little, um, it's got a little cover on the bottom that you just need like a key or a coin to turn the lock, and it pops off pretty easily. That gives you access to the to the rebound. It uses twin uh, uses Scott's twin lock, so you don't have like a compression damping dial on there, um, but you get access to the air valve. That's the word I'm looking for. That's the air the word, valve yeah. and the rebound. Yeah. Uh, and no, it was pretty easy to live with. Like it's got a good little sag marker on the side of the frame so you can set the sag up easy enough. Um, I think, yeah, Scott have made that like integrated shop. They've actually done a pretty good job with it and thought mm-hmm. out quite a lot of the details there. So no, look, it does look a cool bike. I must say, yeah. I give it fair play to that. Scott is a really smart looking bike. I don't like the integrated handlebar stem internal cable routing cockpit they've got on there. But did did your model have the sense. have the Hickson bar or Fra- Fraser did, yeah. or whatever it's called? I think it had the Hickson one, yeah. 
Yeah, which like some people might like, but I'm I'm a bit odd. I roll my bars quite forwards, and I don't like much back sweep on the handlebar. Um, so it's just for my personal taste. It's it's not my favorite, but I can't say it hindered like its performance. It's still a fun bike to ride. Um, but no, but overall, like really, really fun little trail bike, really well executed. So fair play to Scott for doing that. And uh, that little powerful TQ motor is uh, yeah, it's a charm for. I've definitely more and more and more I ride e-bikes get swayed by them. They're wonderful little things. Well, maybe next year we'll be chasing you around the hills trying to keep up on uh, on my analog bike. Yeah. How about you, Tom? What have you what have you been riding? Uh so I guess the first one would be the Cervelo ZFS five, um, which is like a, a full gas, no compromises XC race bike. Um there are obviously quite a few XC bikes out this year or in recent years, which is sort of quite interesting. You've got, you know, obviously you've got your special Epic World Cup uh and Trek Supercal. You've got things like the Orbeo Ois with 120 mil, so longer travel. Um, but the ZFS5 is a uh, 100 mil front and back, full carbon, head up, oh no, head down, ass up race bike. Um and yeah, it kind of did what it said on the tin, to be brutally honest. Um, the one I had was incredibly expensive. Um, reserve uh, 28 carbon wheels. So Reserve is a, a sibling brand of Savella. They all come under the pond holding. So same people as Santa Cruz. So yeah, Reserve wheels on there um, and the Savella frame. Um, and, you know, RockShox SID Ultimate or the SID SL Ultimate, uh, a SID Lux Shock. Uh, rigid Post. Narrowish bars, longish stem, super fast tires. So, like a proper race bike, no compromises at all to sort of comfort or ease of riding, um, which will suit a lot of people who want to go out and absolutely beast themselves for an hour or two um, around the trails, which is really where the bike kind of shone, I guess. I did a few like long rides, you know, like six, seven hour rides, and I found it. A little bit harsh, maybe a little bit not particularly comfortable in some respects. Um, but for those short rides where you just want to go absolute full gas, like it was like it really egged you on uh, into trying super hard. Um, geometry wise, it's not like particularly radical, particularly it's kind of like it's not super slack, it's not super long, but it's also not like short and steep and out of date, if you know what I mean. It's just not like pushing boundaries. Like we expect new bikes, new interesting bikes to be like, this is, oh, the reach is incredible and the head angle super slack. And it's kind of none of those things. But it is like middle of the road, good XC geometry, I guess. Um, yeah, the the, the, reason, the reason why we're sort of so interested in the Cervelo is obviously like it's kind of their first real mountain bike. We're kind of expecting it to be, well, we was kind of interested in what it was actually going to be like. And obviously when it sort of broke cover, at Novia Mesto uh, back in April, May this year. Um, Jumbo Visma uh, team riders were racing. Um, sadly, I forget the uh, the people's names. But they had that like aluminium shock replacement dog link for the short course XC. Um, because you have to use the same bike in the short course and the XCO, the, the longer XC race, they basically just replace the shock. And in the short cross race, you know, it's a real punchy thing. So they kind of made it a rigid bike and then made it full surface. And I thought it was really smart. It's kind of like a real bending of the UCI's rules, which I really appreciated. I thought it was quite fun. If I was going to be sort of critical of the bike, uh, the back end of the bike, I just found it super progressive. I think the linkage, the linkage is progressive linkage. And then the small shock, like it's a small air can, um, and it just like ramped up super quick towards the end of the stroke. So I just never managed to get 100 mil out of it. Um, I pulled the shock apart 
and there's no volume spaces in there. Like so, you know, the air can as big as it would get. It's just super progressive. So the issue with that is that when you sort of hit those more technical bits of track, the fork gives you a hundred mil of travel, and you know you can bottom that fork out. It's it's a beautiful fork, but the rear wouldn't. So it kind of like give you a little bit of um, unbalance. Should we say? Mm, maybe that's so I was a bit uh, like oh, a little bit shortchanged out of that. Maybe it's in preparation for uh, your free cross, which combines free ride and cross country <laughs> into a single discipline. Isn't that basically four cross? <laughs> uh, no, that, that's a, that's another discipline altogether. Oh god, yeah, yeah. That, that that would be a four cross ride. Would be maybe combining all of those into free ride, four cross, f- and cross country. You could call it four XC. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so yeah. The Cervelo ZFS5, um, yeah, no compromises, flat out fast, XC race bike that I thought was good, but didn't quite like, didn't quite tickle my fancy 100%. Mm. I suppose the question on everyone's lips is, and I think you've written it, Thomas, how similar is it to Santa Cruz's Blur, considering they both come under the same umbrella? They do both come under, the, yeah, they do come under the same umbrella. Um, and the, like, when they launched that, everyone's like, oh, it's just the same bike from the same bike. It really isn't. <laughs> Like it really, if you actually look at the tubes and the tube shapes, they're clearly different molds. Mm. And, you know, like, you can't just, like, slightly manipulate a mold. You have to remake a mold. So let's get that out of the open. It is not the same as a blur. It's just that most XC bikes are now a flex-stay single pivot because that is the lightest way to build an XC race bike. Um, I would say the blur is, I would say, a little bit more versatile. Mm. I thought the blur was excellent and they also do a blur tr and Cervelo do a 120 mil version of the same bike with a long stroke shock and a longer fork which i haven't ridden but guy kestevan who used to do a lot of work with us i've spoken to him he's ridden a 121 and he liked it um but yeah I, I sort of felt that the blur was maybe a little bit more versatile a little bit more do it all um and probably the one i would probably buy mm, nice look at that all right bit of amazing bit of uh, bit of buying advice there but that said, like, if you like exclusivity and like, I, I like a little bit, you know, like I like a kind of bike that no one else is riding. Like the Cervelo is still really mm. bloody good. It looks sick as well. does look great. Yeah. It's a very attractive bike. So, so there we go. All right. Let's move on to our next victim. Tom, tell us about the Norco. Well, the Norco is kind of similar to the Cervelo in a way in that you look at it on paper, it's kind of unassuming and not particularly out there. So Will on the MBUK channel recently did a thing of have we reached peak mtb geometry it's like longer low and slack no more and the norco kind of epitomizes that like it's 480 mil reach on a large it's 65 degree head angle c choose about 77 degrees change state is 435 it's like it's just the numbers that you have on a general run of the mill trail bike it's an horse link system so again nothing particularly extreme uh so that's one of the reasons why it is interesting for it's so uninteresting wow. sort of thing yeah and also the aluminium bike won a lot of awards last year for other publications and this new carbon bike we wanted to check out how it performed out on the trail see if it was uh, any good the question on all our lips tom how did it perform out on the trail it was really really good i would i mean i've only been here for what nine months now but i would go out on a limb and say it's the best bike i've ridden since i've been here wow. of all the ones that i've been on uh, i was super super impressed with it and i'm actually gutted that i've got to send it back which is a real shame so it was going to be my long term but sadly that's been cut short because i had some big plans for this bike to see if i could eke even more performance out of it because really there's not a lot i could find wrong with it out of the box uh norco's rider line setup guide was really really good so you basically pump in your height your weight into their website 
and it chucks out all of your settings. So even like the stem spaces that you have under the stem, bar width, tire pressures, fork and shock settings, compression, rebound, the works. And mm. aside from, I quite like a bike to pedal quite well, and this isn't the peppiest of feeling bikes under pedaling. So I upped the pressure in the rear shock a little bit by about 15 PSI, not to click a rebound off it. But aside from that, it's as it came out of the box from, from Norco for my weight and riding style. So yeah, really, really impressive to have that level of setup out the box because anybody could just pump it in and you've got a really good setup out the box rather than mm. have to mess around with all your dials and all that sort of thing. How much uh, How much does it retail for, Tom? It's five grand, so it's not cheap. Um, that's for an, but, an XT I mean, build? Uh, it's for a GX build. So mm-hmm. they've spent the money really well though. So it gets select plus level rock shock suspension. So it's basically a Pike Ultimate up front without the buttercups. Uh, it's a super deluxe shock on the back that doesn't get separate low speed compression but it does have a climb switch which i did use on longer climbs uh, it's a gx drivetrain does come with g2rs brakes which are a bit undergunned on a bike like that uh, you know i know it's their trail brake but come on guys just put codes mm. on it like even with a 200 mil rope up front like yeah just just put some codes on a bike like because it is so 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 capable uh, and i wasn't a fan of the victoria tires that it came on i've sliced and i'm not a tire killer at all and i've killed two vittoria tires in the space of two months now um and yeah i just found them a little bit flimsy and a bit vague feeling uh putting the bike on my preferred maxis rubber it's been a lot better but they're really my only two sort of criticisms against it is is the tires and and the brakes really change those out and it's five out of five for me wow nice so um norco have obviously made a really good bike but maybe i was asleep but what what bike did they make Oh, so it's the Fluid FSC2. Yeah, it would help <laughs> if I'd actually told them what bike is. Yes, it's the Fluid FSC2. Nice. Yeah, bike I've been testing. Well, well done, Luke. At least one of us is awake. <laughs> <laughs> cool. All right. Well, um, obviously, we're talking about six bikes here. Don't forget that full reviews of all six bikes will be on bikeradar.com and imminently. Uh, and there is also a video accompanying uh, the whole series of headliner bikes, um, which we've all been involved in, uh, a joint effort. Uh, which is lovely to see. Um, so yeah, and obviously if you've got any questions about the bikes or if you've got any comments, questions or anything you want to say about the Bike Radar podcast, don't forget to email us. Uh, our email address is podcast at bikeradar.com. All right, uh, shall we go to, let's go back to Luke for your second bike and we'll come to Al in a minute. Okay, so I was fortunate enough to go and ride Trek's new Slash. That I had the Trek Slash 9.9 XO Access T Type. Catchy. Oh, it comes off the tongue, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It rolls off. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's their new full bore enduro bike, backcountry battle axe, I think is what they uh, say in the marketing term about it. Um, 170mm front, 170mm rear travel, high pivot, idler chain system, mullet wheels. All the bells and whistles for getting as aggro as you want. Mm-hmm. Um, so this say was a, a pretty expensive model. It's got like um SRAM's new XO access T-type gears, um full rock shock ultimate suspension front and rear with the 170Z on the front and the vivid on the back. And I'll start with the po- the pros first. So consider it's like details or it's stats on paper. At high pivot, chain idler, long travel, it pedals surprisingly well. I think Trek have put a hell of a lot of effort into making this bike pedal as well as pretty much any Enduro bike out there. There might be a couple that pedal a bit better, the Propane Tai, for example. 
but compared to most 170 mil bikes I've ridden, you know, it can hold its own. It's it's not a not a drag up the hill, and especially with the two extra idlers it's got, you know, it's quite an impressive feat they've uh, they've done there. So, um, on the downside, that is, I think Trek have spent so long making this bike pedal so well, it's lost some of its high pivot goodness. So it's got a very firm shock tune. So out of the factory, the, the shock tune that Trek could have asked RockShop to do, they put the firmest shock tune on there, which gives it support when pedaling, but it also takes away some of the sensitivity on like small bumps. So were you running all of your adjusters open? Uh, yeah, all compression damping is fully open as I could get it on the rear mm. and the forks, to be honest. Mm. Rebound, I didn't have to have rebound fully open, but I think it was like four clicks from open, from like so 14 from closed or whatever you want yeah. to call it um so ran it as fast as yeah, i found comfortable and could get it to, to give it a bit of lively like lively character but compression damping fully open and it was still harsh it was like and i think they've just i think there's so much potential in that frame i think they could do a really good job i think we have a bit of a shock retune um but it just loses out a little bit because they've made this bike pedal so well or as well as other bikes without this kind of the setup um it just loses a bit of its downhill magic. But I think it's in there. I think the frame can do it. And also this model, like, super expensive. It's got really quite stiff Bontrager carbon wheels. Again, it's got an integrated Bontrager stem handlebar combo, which is pretty stiff as well. And it just adds to that kind of unforgiving feel. Is it a bike that it's sort of just... works better the harder you charge it? Or can you just cruise around and have a bit of fun on it? Well, you you can cruise around, but yeah, it works. If you're going to get the most from this setup, I think you've got to really push through it because it gives you quite a bit of feedback. If, I mean, especially through the hands, like the stiff front wheel, stiff handlebars. Um, the Charger 3 damper and the RockShox Zeb Forks is known to be a little less comfortable than the old 2.1. So I think it needs to be ridden a bit more aggressively and, and possibly the rear end as well. But I think that bike has a ton of potential if you can just fiddle with it a little bit. Mm -hmm. so like i think my advice would be to not get this model if you were to go in for a couple of models below um where the component spec isn't quite so carbon heavy get an mm -hmm. aluminium wheel set on there aluminium handlebar um my advice would be to anyone when they buy a bike is to probably get a your suspension set up for yourself if you know i mean if mm -hmm. that's a, a shock tune or a fork tune or whatever it is i think this bike could do with it and i, I think there would be loads of great things about this bike if i had it for a couple more months and could really tune it in i think you could it would be you know an awesome bike but as it was it's very good but it's you can see where trek have spent their time developing it and fair play they've succeeded in trying to get this you know 170 mil high pivot enduro bike to roll up the hill as smoothly as it does one uh, one thing that struck me as a little bit strange when i read all the press material on the on the new bike was that it's mullet and 29er compatible, so mixed wheel sizes, 29 at the front, 27 and a half at the back. But you have to buy, is it the linkage or the stay if you want to put a 29er on there? Is not a flip chip or anything like that? No, it's not. So where the lower shock mounts to the frame, it's on a little bracket and you can purchase aftermarket a bracket. Okay. Um, a lower shock mount effectively to allow the geometry change to fit the rear back okay. wheel the 29 what was the yeah. what... you don't need to change the rear okay stay, not though. the stay okay i stand corrected on that one how, how much was the model that you tested nine thousand four hundred pounds do you think maybe they should include that little bracket <laughs> I would, yeah. yeah it's a bit I stingy that in it i said i think 
I'm trying to remember. I think the frame set maybe comes with it. Okay. I'm not sure about the full bikes. I don't think the full bikes do. I mean, but I think the, fra- the frame set the frame kind of set does. the frame set makes sense because I guess if you're buying a frame set, you're then going to decide whether you're going to buy a pair of mullet wheels or a pair of 29er wheels. Whereas I guess like. If you buy the bike, you, you know, if you want to swap to a 29 setup, you're going to have to go and go and buy an, a, a probably equivalent rear wheel anyway. So you might as well spend, it's probably what, 30, 40 quid on a little chip as well. It's a bit, it's a bit stingy, but yeah. Yeah, I think they could throw them in the box. It wouldn't be a, a bad option, but it is, it is sold as a, you know, it does have that capability to run a larger back wheel, but I think they set out to be as a, a mullet bike. And if you want to change it, you can, but it's not what Trek set it up as mm. just uh nice. j- just one more little question on the track whilst we're just like musing about things how did uh how did did ha- sorry did hattie harden race it in the ews this year and how did she do on it i'm just wondering because it's a mullet bike um i think she rode it at the last two races so it they raced oh ludenville just before its release okay and i think she raced it there and then in the Chattel yeah. Enduro World Cup afterwards. Um, and one of the race, I'm sure she got fourth, but I don't know what the... Uh, I know that she was definitely in the top five somewhere with that bike. Okay. I'm just thinking because I'm pretty confident that Isabeau and Morgan were both riding 29ers front and back. Um, not that that means anything. Okay. I'm not a, con- a 29er conspiracy theorist or anything weird like that. But <laughs> um, you know, I, I just wonder if you if you're saying your bike's compatible with all these things, then you know, I don't know for nine grand, give me give me the option. Mm. They could make it a nice looking bike for nine grand as well, because in my <laughs> eyes, it ain't it ain't pretty. <laughs> we we had this conversation when we first saw the images of it, but it is fortunately it's nicer in in real life than uh, oh, I would agree with Luke. Luke. It's yeah. better yeah. in the flesh. <laughs> It's still and not a locker, but it's better in the flash. Oh, right. Well, I think on that bombshell, we'll move on before uh, Trex lawyers get involved. Uh, Al, what was your bike? So, uh, yeah, make sure uh, Luke's awake. I'm going to say the name first. It's the Vitus <laughs> E-Mythique LT VRX, which I think maybe compared to the Trek, that probably does roll off the tongue a little easier. Um, mm. And this is basically Vitus's most affordable, longest travel range of e-bikes it's the the e-mythique lt which sits in the e-mythique range of of bikes but it's the lt version so do they do a non-lt version of it they that sorry they do a standard mythique by standard i mean pedal bike yeah normal normal bicycle a bicycle um but they don't have a non-lt e-bike version but they do have short travel e-bikes right and how, what about the summit so the summit uh, technically sits above the E-Mythique LT yeah. in terms of cost and where it's positioned. But for all intents and purposes, they are very similar. Travel, geometry, intended use, okay. etc. The E-Summit sits just above the E-Mythique LT. The lowest spec E-Summit, which is the VR version, um, is 100 quid more than the E-Mythique LT VRX, which is the highest spec E-Mythique. That's quite complicated, but basically there's a small kind of grey area overlap between the two ranges. Mm. The big differentiator between them, however, is the E-Mythique LT has a Bafang motor. Now, this is a Chinese motor brand that have been famed for offering 
e-bike conversion kits basically so if you've got a standard pedal bike you know maybe a commuter maybe your hybrid or whatever and you fancy putting on an e-bike motor you can buy a baffang unit and it'll do that for you um you know it's not quite a click your fingers and it's all done but you know there's some wizardry to happen there with tools and spanners um but what vitas basically did is they went to baffang and they said look we want an e-bike motor what can you do for us now Baffang's response was the M510, which is a 95 newton meter motor, and it has a 630 watt hour battery. Um, so, you know, it's pretty comparable with other motors on the market. Shimano's EP8 has 85 newton meters, also has 630 watt hour batteries. Bosch, uh, I'm pretty sure they have also 85 newton meters. So, you know, it's it's kind of around there. Aside from the price and the motor, the other thing about this Emethique VRX, it's basically how well it rides. You know, if you're looking to get into e-enduro, if that's maybe your thing, you know, if you like if you like winching up like Luke does up a fire road and then choosing your gnarliest, hardest track to hand down, it's really good. It's a really, really good bike for the money. So, you know, it might not have the most complex dampers. Um, it's got a RockShox Yari at the front and a super deluxe um, air shock on the back. You know, the, the Yari's all right. It's pretty good. It's not going to break any records. It's not as technologically advanced as the um, Lyric that sits above it. But, you know, it's a really good fork and it performed impressively. The 35mm chassis was also more than strong enough to handle the 25.44 kilo weight of the size large Emethic LT VRX that I tested. Um and the rest of the bike spec is also there. There's a uh, SRAM GX drivetrain, um, you know, which is pretty unheard of at bikes around this sort of price level, especially e-bikes at this price level, 4,300 quid. Um, you know, I, I don't know. There's nothing There's nothing wrong with it. It's a really, really, really good bike. Um, and Nothing wrong with it. Glowing with faint praise. Oh, I know. I know. It's <laughs> such a bad thing to say, but, you know, it's almost like... Um, how discreet and unnoticeable its impressive performance was is such an accolade to where, you know, it wasn't like, oh my God, it was terrible here or amazing here in one particular scenario. It was just brilliant everywhere. Um, you know, it's a long travel bike as well. It's a 170 mil fork and a 160, 160 at the back, 63 and a half degree head angle, um, 476 millimeter reach for the size large. So, you know, it's it's firmly focused on enduro. So if you're the kind of person that just wants to go smash out laps, um, it will do that for you. But equally, if like uh, if you're like Luke with your newfound desire to go buzz around trail center loops, it's going to be super comfortable for that. Like the suspension's really, you know, it's really supple. It's really soft. It isolates bumps well. Um, it, it's just hard to fault it. It's really, really hard to fault this bike. Um, I guess I guess a lot of people are going to want to know about the Bafang motor. Like, how does it feel on the trail? It's, it's ride feel. Is it jerky? Is it quiet? Is it smooth delivery of power? Like compared to the two big brands, Bosch and Shimano, how how does it do? Great question. Thank you for the prompt, Luke. Um, <laughs> Luke's definitely not sleeping today. He's on. He's on. Uh, Luke's on boost. <laughs> unlike the unlike the rest of us. <laughs> compared to Shimano, it. It's actually quite quite different. So the Shimano can feel quite uh, binary in certain scenarios. 
say you're starting on a super steep climb and you're in boost, there's a bit of on-off with the Shimano. With this Bafang one, it feeds in the power really gently and really smoothly. Um, you know, it's it's quite impressive. It's has less overall assistance than Bosch, despite the headline figures being similar. Um, Bosch is actually less. The Bosch still feels more powerful um, and probably is a little more rewarding. So the harder you pedal on the Bosch, the more assistance it gives you. The Bafang has a definite sweet spot. Um, so that was between 78 and 92 RPM for those people geeking out. The little little display controller, you can see your RPM on there. Um, and that's when it kind of gave the best, most useful assistance, I guess would be the way best way to describe it. Um, it's not got as much overrun, so it's got a race mode just like Bosch's um, Performance Line CX race motors, like the, the super punchy ones. So it has more overrun than a Shimano does in that when you stop pedaling, it still keeps giving you power, but it's not as much as the Bosch. So, you know, there's a there's a small compromise there. I think for me, the Bosch is still is still the motor to beat, it, you know, even compared to all of the new upcoming ones, you know, the, the SRAM powertrain included. Um, but the, the Bafang's really not bad at all. Um, in terms of battery life, using boost and race only, I managed 1,200 metres of ascent. So I weigh 76 kilos kitted up. That's basically on par with, with Shimano. And, and Bosch with equivalent size batteries. Nice. So, recommended? I'd say so. It's a solid four and a half stars, mate. A solid four and a half stars? Yeah. Great. Yeah. It's really good. It is genuinely right. really good, yeah. Cool. Well, we move on to the last, uh, onto the last of the bikes, and that would be the new Merida 120, which actually has 130 mil of travel, um, because Merida's naming conventions mean that they don't change the name when they do change the travel. Um, but this is their brand new model. They launched it uh, a couple of months ago, um, and is a pocket-friendly, do-it-all, versatile trail bike. Uh, they kind of, I was chatting to them about it, they said they aim at a two sort of main markets one is like the person who has like a big travel bike maybe a big e-bike or like a big enduro bike which is built for those winch and plummet rides but they want something maybe a little bit more agile a bit more pedal friendly for just scooting around their local woods or maybe doing some trail center laps um, and the other market being the uh the more novice cyclist who's maybe getting into mountain biking a bit more and wants their first serious full suspension bike um who maybe doesn't need or want like a massive enduro bike uh, when they're just getting into the sport. Um, it has, as I say, 130 mm travel front and rear. Um, and following on from the launches of the 140 and 160 last year, it's, it's obviously, uh, I was going to say a carbon copy, but uh, it's made of alloy. Uh, and it's not it's not identical, but um, you're looking at the same uh, P-Flex suspension system, which is a single pivot flex stay arrangement with aluminium. Um, and their agilometer or agilometer, agi, agi, it's a it's a word that I find hard to say because I don't really know how they want it to say. But it's their sizing thing, which is basically real short seat tubes, pretty long reaches um, for certainly a bike of this ilk, um, and then yeah, super steep seat angles and a moderately slack head angle. So the head angle sits uh, in between their 96 XC race bike and their 140 agro trail bike um at like i want to say it's 67 degrees um but um i haven't got my paper in front of me so it could be 66 um but basically like super modern geometry like the reaches are incredible um and the seat angle i think on this one's like basically 80 degrees which you know it's it's really nice to see 
entry-ish level or more budget-focused bikes coming in with like really progressive um, geometry. I think it's really cool. Um, Suspension-wise, uh, much like the other ones, designed to sort of pedal really well, um, but also lots of progression in there, so it can cope with bigger hits. And it comes with level four certification, uh, which basically means you can race enduro on it. They kind of say um, if you want to race a one thirty mil bike down an enduro, it's kind of all warranted to do so. Which is pretty cool. Um, so, what's it like to ride? Uh, I had the 700 level bike, which is £3,100, um, and they do a 2500 and a somewhere around 2000 maybe £1,900 entry level model. I'm not 100% sure on the pricing, but 2.5 and 3.1 for the, the two upper models. So the top one, um, and... Yeah, it was, it, was, I was, it was very impressed. Having ridden the 140 for all year as my long-term bike in MBUK, um, the 120 was sort of no real surprises. Um, it pedals incredibly well up a, up a hill. The suspension is stable. It's solid. You can stand up and it doesn't like wallow and bob all over the place. At the same time, it generates quite a lot of traction through relatively skinny treaded tires. Uh, it's got four casters, I think, uh, front and back. Um, generated plenty of grip relatively comfortable um, and very efficient up a hill. Uh, along the flat, the, there's like tons of mid-stroke support, so it just pumps and holds and generates speed really nicely, so you can like really push it through berms. You can sling it onto like a, a lip of a jump and send it uh, if you really want, because it's so supportive. Um, and then when you land, like it does get all of its travel, um, but it like tickles the end of the travel rather than thumps into it. Um, just really nicely controlled. I was like, a, I was a big fan of it, but I think I had, so I had the three thousand one hundred pound version, which came uh, with a SRAM uh, NX slash uh, NX ish drivetrain. Um, I would go for the two thousand five hundred pound model, which comes with a Mazaki Z two fork, Shimano Dior group set, um, Shimano brakes, and seems to be like the pick of the bunch, I reckon. Whereas this more expensive one has some good bits and pieces on it, but I think there's better value bikes even within Merida's um, own range. Um, but yeah. A, a real solid aluminium trail bike. Maybe a little bit heavy. That'd be the only real criticism. Is it similar in weight to the 140 in that case? Uh, yeah, it's not far off. I'm just trying to think what um, what it was built with. It was built with a RockShox Pike Select and a Deluxe Shock. Um, their own kind of wheels, SRAM DB8 brakes. Yeah, and that, sh that SRAM drivetrain. Um, and yeah, it comes in about 15 kilos. And I think like the the 3,100 pound version of the 140 comes with a with a Mizuki Z1 and a Shimano Dior group set and like chunkier tires. Yeah. So it's, it's a bit heavier, but I would say that actually that's a steal at the moment. But that 2,500 pound model would be the one I would go for. If if you're like just your average kind of trail center trail center rider, do you think? Yeah, or, great. Yeah, yeah, perfect. Yeah, I mean the forecasters, you know. I know we sort of quite often talk about, you know, skinnier tires, but, oh, you know, I want a bit more grip, a bit more burn than us. But the reality is a lot of people do ride, you know, trail center stuff, which is amazing, really good fun to ride. And for that, you don't need a double down as a guy. What you need is something that is going to pick up speed and roll fast uh, and not feel like you're, you're lugging an anchor around um, a load of man-made trails. And for that, brilliant. And again, like that pedaling performance and sort of the stability that the whole bike sort of gives and the confidence it gives is really going to be great around trail center and slightly mellower trails. Um, and then you can sling it down like we, you know, went on the launch of it and we sling it down some, some relative tech and we were lucky that it was a dry day. Um, because yeah, okay, the tires are going to get a little bit overwhelmed, but you know, if you really want to go mad, stick some burly tires on there and, uh, and let rip. 
I think I was quite lucky that my so the SRAM DB8 brakes aren't my favourite. I think is a maybe a polite way of, of putting it. I'm not a fan. Uh, but the ones I had had sintered brake pads in, which make a massive difference to their performance. And I haven't quite managed to work out whether I had sintered pads because that's the stock option or because the guys at Meridian knew I was coming and they, having listened to the podcast, it, they, they did say, we know you like your sintered pads um, and we don't, you know, so we put them in there. But I wasn't sure if they'd done that as stock or just for me. Special trip. A recommended upgrade for a SRAM DB8 brake is uh, they make them much better, especially if you put 200mm rotors under them. Yeah, the HS2 rotor as well. Yes. Yeah, get rid of that center line. No one wants that. There we go. That You know, that way, like actually those DB8s do, you know, they're maybe not, they're still a bit wooden. Wooden. Maybe not the yeah. punchiest things, but you can get power out of them if you, if you change the rotors to as big as you can fit and stick some center pads in there. Um, it does improve them a lot. Mm. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we'll wrap it up there. Um, so thanks ever so much for listening to the Bike Radar podcast. Don't forget we have episodes every Monday and every Friday. Don't forget to share it with your friends and email us podcast at bikeradar.com if you've got any comments, questions, or topics for a future podcast. Thanks ever so much, Al. Thank you, Luke. And thank you, Tom. Thank you. Cheers, guys. Cheers, mate. Thanks for listening to the Bike Radar Podcast. If you've not done so already, please subscribe and share with your friends or leave us a rating if you've enjoyed this episode. 